Can you welcome everybody that's watching online, our brothers and sisters right there? Man, we love you. Thank you for joining us. Maybe, hopefully, you have found your place in 1 Peter chapter 2. Let me read it for you. Verse 9 says this, but you are a chosen people. It's been on the screen for the last five minutes after I've done the introduction. You've cheated. Now you know. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Somebody say, I'm special. That's not even in your notes. That's for free. I'm special. That you may declare, now you're not those things just because, just by happenstance or coincidence. You're those things because you can declare. So you may declare the praises of him who called you. Today's message is entitled, Am I Called? We're going to answer that today. The one who called you out of darkness. You see, he didn't just call you from nothing. He called you, he called you out of somewhere, but then he called you to somewhere. Out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Another version says, into his marvelous light. Verse 10 says, once you were not a people. Oh, but baby, now you are. Come on. You, once you weren't a people, but now you have an identity. You are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have. Now you have. I love that passage of scripture because it points out so many different alliterations and verbiage, terminology that, man, are synonymous with leadership. Synonymous with discipleship, Christendom, right? That, those, are, those are words that I want to be spoken over me. I'm chosen. I'm royal. I'm loyal. I'm, I'm a good person. I'm set apart. I'm holy. These are words that we need to identify with every day. Every day we wake up, I want to be holy. Every day I wake up, I want to be set apart. Every day I wake up, every single day, I want to take that on as an identity. I remember, uh, man, Iago's ago, um, whenever I was much younger, uh, I was about probably five, four or five, we went over to Florida to see my great-grandmother. And uh, she's passed on from this life into the next now, and she's with Jesus. And, uh, but I'll never forget, we used to go there to visit and, and hang out and things like that. And, and it was just weird, right? It was just weird um, setting because there was no grass because it was so hot. I guess Floridians think that they could just, you know, not have lawns because it's hot there. Welcome to Louisiana. We have lawns. Like, what the heck? You know, I don't understand. Like, just, you know, no, we just have rocks. We're just too lazy to mow. Like, seriously? Anyway, I digress. That's just a completely separate topic that we're not even going to talk about. But I never forget, I went to my Gigi's house. And, and at the time, y'all, I was obsessed. I was convinced that I was and still am Batman. You see, growing up as, as guys, come on, guys, like we wanted, we, we wanted to be superheroes, right? We wanted to dress up. We wanted to put on the costume. We wanted to do all the things. I had the Batman underwear, right? I had it all, y'all. I grew up, listen, I am not as young as you think I am, older generation. Some, oh, some of you, you just, you still wet behind the ears. Oh, yeah. I used to watch Batman in black and white. <laughs> 
Look at that. I used to watch Adam West in black and white kick the Joker's rear end. That's right. I said it. But here's the thing. I used to love, that's where it all started for me. The reason why I love Batman so much is because he was an ordinary human being like you and me. Didn't have any special superpowers. He was just rich and he had all the gadgets. That was cool. Now, here's the thing. Ladies, many of you, maybe you didn't identify as like a superhero growing up. Many of you, you guys are like, yeah, I just wanted to get married. You try on all the costumes and the pretty dresses. And you're like, mom, look at me. Daddy, am I pretty? You see, I say that to you ladies, but I know how it really is because I have a three-year-old that comes home every single day and undresses in the kitchen because she is going to put on her costume. And she has what we call the cat dress. She has labeled this the cat dress. You know what it is? It's a ballerina costume. Has nothing to do with cats. (laughs) I don't get it. I don't understand. In her mind, she, it's like, it's got a tutu and everything, right? And she's so cute and everything. And, and on it is like some jewelry bedazzled looking things. It's, it's two ballerina slippers is what it is. It looks like a cat to her. <laughs> cat dress. I don't know. I don't get it. I wanted to be Batman. She wants to be a cat ballerina. I don't, I, I don't know. I understand. Anyway, so I go to Gigi's. And I, being Batman, am not Batman without the uniform. So one day I'm playing, and I want to be, Bat- I want to be Batman. And, and I look up, and I see, I see something that is covering the window that is, it, it should not be there. It should be on my back. You see, we call these drapes, but where you see drapes, I see capes. So I decided to take my wife's drapes, and, and whenever I was at my Gigi's, five years old, I took a pair of scissors, and I wanted to take a pair of scissors and cut these up today, but then my wife would kill me, um, so I decided not to. So lo and behold, I grabbed these intentionally because they're like Batman's. What? It's got the little thing on the bottom, because Batman always fought crime, and he had the scissors, and his t- his cape was like tattered and stuff, and it was cool looking, and I wanted to be Batman. So today, somebody pointed out that I wore all black. I did not do that on purpose, but now it goes with the facade. <laughs> Today's message is brought to you by Batman. <laughs> Kidding. But I never forget, here I am, I pull those drapes down, I cut them up. And it wouldn't have been as bad if I didn't cut them up, but I cut them. $400 drapes, and everything was fine. Everything was great. And I was fighting crime until my mom walked in. And she, y'all, she said, Weston Adam Weaver. She brought three names into the mix, not just two, all three. Weston Adam Weaver. I'm like, yes. She grabbed me by my ear. Y'all, y'all know it. That, that means it's serious. Uh, uh, okay, okay, here we go. Brought me into my Gigi. Says, she said, Gigi, look what your great-grandson has done. I can't believe him. I am so sorry. We're going to get you some new drapes, and you're going to apologize to your Gigi, and I am going to go whip him. I am so sorry. And before we could leave the room, Gigi said the most profound statement I've ever heard any adult say in their life. She said, Loretta, because that's the name of my mom, (laughs) don't you spank that baby. 
He's just using his imagination. (laughs) To which I replied to my mother, that's right, woman. (laughs) Unhand me. (laughs) That's a true story. But I don't think I responded that way to my mom. Just saying, just throwing it out there. Um, Pretty sure I got whipped later, you know. Your great-grandmother's not here to protect you now, is she? Oh. Anyway, I'll never forget that story. Because, because I can put on the cape as much as I want. I can put on the costume as much as I want. I can look the part and fight crime. How weird does this look? <laughs> I can look the part. But what good is it? If I put on those things, but yet I really am not him. Oh, you already know where I'm going. You see, we can say over ourselves, well, I'm chosen, and I'm royal, and I'm holy, and I'm set apart. But until you're really willing to live it out, you are not those things. And we have got to make the statement and the proclamation today over ourselves. If we're really going to be those things and look the part, then we better act the part, baby then we need to identify and put it on, not as a costume or as clothing that we can take on and put off and take on at our convenience when it's Mardi Gras and when it's not. Oh, at the ballpark and when I'm not, at home and at church. No, friend, they're not costumes that we take on and take off. This needs to be our identity in him. If you're chosen, be chosen. If you're called, be called. If you're holy, be holy as I am holy, the Lord says. So what a better way in describing these attributes and this verbiage and this terminology, these titles, but yet identifiers, if you will, than talking about a young man who really did live this thing out. I want to talk to you about a familiar character, and you've probably heard of this young man before, but a man by the name of David. Now, I know many of you are automatically tuning out. You're automatically going to the giant slayer. But before David was ever a giant slayer, he was just a young shepherd boy. And we're going to talk about that today. If you don't mind, 1 Peter chapter 16, excuse me, 1 Samuel chapter 16 starts off by Samuel himself, the prophet, the man of God, is being called by God for a hefty task. It says this in verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? Saul is the current king who has lost his way. He's rejected God and he's decided to do things his own way. And the Lord said, I have rejected him from being king over Israel. For, For you need to fill your horn with oil and go. And I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Now, before we skip down to verse six, I want you to just hone in with me. Uh, Two things right here. One, Saul has rejected God. He decided not to be used by God anymore. He's really doing things his own way. And, And the real reason why God has really said this, especially right there at the verse, end of verse one, is because God said, I have chosen for myself a king. Because if you're unfamiliar with this story, Saul was not 
was not anointed by God. He was anointed for the part after the fact, but he was not chosen by God. You see, Saul was actually picked by the people. Democracy. <laughs> what good does that work out for us? Anyway, <laughs> we want him. We want her. All right. Did you listen to God? Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, but the people were jealous because everybody, all the surrounding nations, they, they were jealous. They wanted a king like everybody else. They wanted to be like everybody else. So God said, okay, do what you want. You want somebody? Pick somebody. So they saw Saul. And they said, wow, he's, he's the perfect part. He looks the part. He sounds the part. The Bible describes Saul as standing head and shoulders above everyone else. He looked like a king. But he didn't follow in line of what a true king should be. So eventually, we see this in chapter 16, where God says, you know what? I have rejected him because he's rejected me, and I have chosen for myself a king. So don't grieve over him. I've got something planned, God says. Go to Bethlehem? Before this moment, before this scripture, you ever heard of anything coming out of Bethlehem? Not a whole lot. A lot of sheep herders. A lot of shepherds. Bethlehem, nothing good. God, you sure? Like nothing good. Go see Jesse in Bethlehem. What good comes out of Bethlehem, Lord? Like, really? And some of y'all could see like Bethlehem is, is a poor man's city. It's not prevalent. It's not prominent. There's nothing great and grandiose about Bethlehem. Sound familiar? God, what can you do in the city of Eunice? Lord, I'm from Basile. <laughs> Lord, do you even know where Bill Platt is? God, I don't know if you know this or not, but nothing really great comes out of Church Point. Lord, I, Iota, you serious? Some of y'all can relate. It's funny. But can God really move in Eunice? Watch me, God says. For the past seven years, he's been doing what he said he would do. Oh, oh, you think, you, come on, oh, come on, praise him. Oh, you think nothing can come out of Eunice? Look at what I can do, God says. So Jesse goes, he goes, all right, Bethlehem it is. And he goes to the house of Jesse. And this is where we pick up in our story. Verse six says this, when they came... He looked on Eliab. Eliab is the oldest brother, Jesse's oldest son. And Samuel looks and he says, surely this is the Lord's anointed before me. And he, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his outward appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Sound familiar? We, we just talked about that. Saul was man's choice. He looked the part. He sounded the part. No, no, no. No longer are we going to look at the outward appearance. He may look it, but I look at the heart, God says. Verse 8, Jesse called Abinadab, made him pass before Samuel. Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Verse 10, Jesse made seven of his sons, all seven of them, pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Verse 11, then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? 
Well, there remains yet the youngest, Jesse said. But behold, he's keeping the sheep. He, he's busy. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we, will, for we will not sit down until he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and handsome and beautiful eyes and handsome. And I find it funny that we just talk, talked about, he doesn't look at the outward appearance, but the, then the Bible describes him in great detail. He was beautiful. He had great, great, beautiful eyes. He was ruddy. Ruddy? Like, anyway. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And from that day forward, God was with him. Samuel rose up and he went to Ramah. Now, I want to just kind of go through these scriptures for the next 30 minutes or so, hopefully shorter. Come on, somebody. Anybody want for lunch? Um, what I love about this scripture is it's packed full of different things. In verses 6 through 11, Jesse has lined up his sons before Samuel, and he said, look at what I got. Almost like Vanna White. Okay, we've done that way too long. Um, lines them up. Oldest to youngest. And he says, here they are. What do you think of my crop? What do you think of my sons? And Samuel, obviously, as any man would, looks at and the oldest son. He looks the part. He's, he's handsome. He's good looking. Obviously, man, Jesse was a good looking man. If he had sons that just looked the part, obviously David walks in and he's ruddy and he's handsome. Like, I want to know those genes, right? Like, the, like, this is a good looking group of guys that were in the room. And Samuel says, this is going to be easy. But one after the other after the other, God says, nope, that's not him. No, you're looking at the wrong person. That You're looking at the wrong thing, Samuel. No, none of these are it. And David wasn't invited to the party. David wasn't included. Da David wasn't even thought of. Verses 6 through 11, he, he's not there. And many of you sit here today, and some of you are already making the connection. You feel that same way. You can sympathize with David. You're not picked. You're not chosen. You're not even thought of. I remember, Brian, you'll you, you know what I'm talking about. Man, I tried out for the football team, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Now, I haven't always been this short. I used to be shorter. <laughs> um, I remember trying out for the football team, and I made the second cut, which is basically like, good job, you showed effort. <laughs> Woo. And I'll never forget, man, we had like a pull-up competition at football tryouts, and I did like close to the most because I was only like, 60 pounds. So I was like, yeah, look at this. This is awesome. <laughs> I'd be you and you and you. It's like, dude, I'm like 180. What are you talking about? <laughs> Lyman. <laughs> Seventh grade. <laughs> Not me. I'll never forget. I was so disappointed. I got cut. Didn't make it. And I was like, man, what do I got to do? 
<laughs> besides grow like eight inches. <laughs> I'll never forget, the, coach, the coaches told me, man, like, you got great heart, but just not big enough. <laughs> Thanks, coach. I'll keep growing, <laughs> or I'll try. <laughs> Y'all, I didn't grow. God bless me. I did not grow until, like, sophomore, junior year, summer, and, like, literally over the summer, I grew, like, six inches. I walked in that first day, and people were like, Weston? I'm like, yeah, it's me. <laughs> It's not just the hair this time. It's me. I never forget. I felt better about myself. Junior year, asked the coach, coach, I'm grown. Can I try out for football this year? He said, man, you're a little old to try out for football, don't you think? Now that, I mean, you're a junior. Like, I'm not tall enough. Now I'm too old. What do you want from me? (laughs) But year after year, I, I wasn't in the lineup. Year after year, I, I, wa- I wasn't chosen. Am I not fast enough? Am I not good enough? Many of you can sit here and maybe you can relate. Sure, maybe you've achieved and you've been good at other things in your life, but maybe there's something in your life that just stands out where you say, why, why didn't I get picked? Maybe there's a job promotion that you feel like you deserve. In fact, you are more qualified You are more deserving. You acted like more of a Christian than the other person did. (laughs) But, But yet, you weren't picked. Imagine how David feel. David, David just, he wasn't in the lineup. He, he, he was in the backside of a pasture. He didn't even know what was going on. Could you imagine the heartbreak and the when he finally does get an invitation to walk in, he's like, what's going on here? Could you imagine? Can I tell you today? First Peter chapter two calls you chosen. Oh, come on. Some of, you, some of you need to remind yourself about the first beginning passage that we read, that you are royalty and that you are a holy nation. Today, number one, I hope you're taking notes Every point today is gonna be a proclamation that we just need to proclaim over ourselves. Number one, I am called. I'm not disqualified, but I'm called. Like, like you're, you're not not thought of. You're, you're, not, you're not in the room just because God forgot about, no, no, no. Don't disqualify yourself, friend. Don't discount yourself. Don't just, don't just throw yourself out there and it's like, well, I'm not included and therefore God doesn't have a plan for me. God doesn't have a promise for me. God, do, God does not even think about me. No, friend, I'm here to remind somebody here today or maybe you're watching online that you're not disqualified, but God has a plan and a purpose for your life. If you just stick with him and if you just ride this thing out, God wants to show his glory in you and through you but you've got to tell yourself today I have a purpose and I've got a promise you're not disqualified I love the fact that this is just general rule like some of you may have heard this before but this the rule of numbers right when God created the heavens and the universe and he created all of life and existence he created it in six days and then on the seventh day he rested Seven has a purpose of fulfillment, the meaning, the description of everything fulfilled and everything is great, just like our weeks do, days of the week, days of the week, 
days of the week. My daughters know that just because Miss Katie has taught them. It's just one of those things. It's kind of like the Adams family, but it's, you know, days of the week. But I'll never forget when we hear those things, what's the, the new week starts on the eighth day. There's seven days and, and David is the eighth son. David represents for so many of us in here a new beginning, a fresh start, being born again. Some of you disqualify and discount yourself today, but God has a different plan that if you will operate in his will and his work, God wants to do something fresh and new in you if you allow him today. So we've got to get to this place where we don't get hung up in the past and disqualify ourselves. We don't get hung up on everything else and say, well, I'm just not good enough. I can't, I can't do it. David was the eighth son that represent, represented a fresh start. Praying this morning, just praying for the day. I just felt like the Lord, this is not in my notes, but I just felt like the Lord told me to tell somebody here today that you are not too damaged to be used by God. you are not damaged enough to where God can't use you. Because it is in our damagedness and our incompleteness, it is in our immorality, it is in our loss of just function and life, and God, I don't have any direction, I don't have a sense of purpose, it is when we are at our lowest that God can come in in his timing and his will, and he can put the pieces back together again. Because so many times when I feel like I'm damaged the most and I feel like I can't collect everything together and I can't put it together, guess what, friend? You can't. I can't do it well enough. Yesterday I was working on a mirror that, that just happened to fall off a, a, a little nightstand and broke. We have three kids. Come on, somebody. It didn't just fall. Oh, it just randomly fell off. Ugh chipped and broke some pieces on the top. I took some super glue and I put it back together. Told Kelsey, I was like, babe, look what I did. Put it back together. She said, ooh, nice. Like I had done something real cool. But guess what? It still has cracks in it. Oh. Guess what? You, you can still see the cracks. It's not perfect, but I did my best. And you see, all I can do, all I can ever do is do my best. But guess what? Cracks are go still going to show. But can I tell you, when the creator of the heavens and the universe comes into your life, comes into your existence, and you allow him to do work in you and through you, guess what? He can make you better than new. He can piece you back together just how you need it to be. Somebody needs to know you're not too damaged to be used. You're not too cracked. You're not too broken. But I would say it's in your brokenness he loves to use you most. I'm not disqualified. Verse 11 is packed with several different things and transitions. And the first part, Jesse is asked by Samuel, is this all your sons? And Jesse responds, well, yeah, there remains the other guy, the eighth son the youngest son, but he's keeping the sheep. He, he's, he's with the sheep, y'all. He's, he's not even here. 
And I, I love this because David was not found chasing a crown. And I didn't mean to rhyme that on purpose, but it just happened that way. David wasn't meant to, he, he was doing what he was told to do. He was found in the pasture, shepherding sheep. Can I, can I remind us today of what the pasture represents? The pasture represents alone time. The, the pasture represents private time. The, the pasture represents obedience and seclusion, surrender, humble beginnings. The pasture represents reverence. He wasn't found seeking notoriety. He wasn't found seeking the attention. He wasn't found seeking, oh, what's going on there? I wonder, I wonder if he's going to choose me. He didn't even know what was going on. He wasn't even invited to his own party. And he's the, the guest. He is the purpose for why Jesse invited Samuel to even show up. He wasn't found. I did this in first service. This is just funny because I'm just tall enough. I'm like Wilson off of Tim, you know, Tim Allen, home improvement. Hello, Tim. He wasn't, David wasn't found looking in the window like, ooh, what's going on in there? I wonder if he's going to invite me in. <laughs> Hello, Samuel. Hello. Hey, it's me, David. Are you going to choose me? Pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. <laughs> no. He wasn't found. Look at me. I want to, ooh, ooh, pick me. Even though I do that a lot of times. It's in our nature to be want, want to be chosen. But can I tell you what needs to be more of the nature in which we operate in is obedience. David wasn't found seeking a crown. He was found being obedient in the pasture. And, and David just, he was just doing what he was told to do. He went to the pasture because that's where he was called to go. Humility is found in the posture of obedience. I'm going to use a lot of alliteration here. And when we're in the posture of, of obedience, we're in the best posture to hear God's voice when he calls. A lot of times, we're not found in the pasture because we're not postured to hear his voice. We want to do other things. We want to do, our, do it our own way. Well, I got to find my own way to the platform. I got to find my own way to, the, to the, the spotlight. I got to find my own way to the calling of God. No, you don't. You need to be found being obedient. That's all God's called us to do is just be obedient and listen my, for my voice. But we can't hear God's voice if we're not where we're supposed to be when he calls. Our production, watch this, is always dependent on our willingness to learn from the pasture. Your will and your way and what you do for the Lord's kingdom and his goodness and his grace and his work, your production in this life will always be dependent on your willingness to learn from where you are when you're in the pasture. What does that mean? If I didn't pray for this sermon and for this message and for this service, I, I'd be up here going, hey, so uh, glad you're here. Hey. Like, I would be nothing more than a clanging cymbal with empty words. The disciples wanted to learn how to pray 
like Jesus because they knew that when he went to go be with God in his alone time and be with the Father, that's where he got his power. You want to do miracles? They didn't ask, Lord, teach us to do miracles. Teach us to do signs and wonders and, and all these crazy and mighty things. Lord, teach us to pray. And if you want to be a prayer warrior, if you want to operate in power, if you want to operate miracles, signs, and wonders, if you want to be an empty vessel that he pours into and pours out of, then we got to be willing to go to the pasture and be willing and obedient Lord, I want to be an empty vessel that hears your voice. Then go be with me. Listen for my voice. The problem is a lot of times we're not postured in the pasture because we feel like it's a prison rather than a promise. A lot of you sit here today and you feel like you're in a prison rather than walking in the promise of God. You feel like seclusion is isolation, but you are exactly where God wants you to be to hear his voice. Sometimes we gotta get rid of all this and all of this, and we just gotta, God, I'm yours. I don't care what's going on in the world around me. Lord, I don't care. I need you. That's all I need. If I have nothing else, God, I need you. Just need you, Jesus. David was found being obedient in the pasture. We don't want to learn from God, from what God is trying to show us because we feel isolated. We feel like we're in a prison. God sees you. Hear me, friend. God sees you on the backside of the pasture. And I'm here to remind somebody today that you are not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. If you've been faithful where you are, then number two, you're called. God's going to show up and God's going to, I'm called. No matter, I've, I've, not, I've not been disqualified. I'm called. God, God's called. Look, watch this. We did this exercise in first service. You ready? Everybody look to your left. Everybody look to your right. Everybody look at me. Every person that you just took your eyes on and glanced at, guess what? You're called. Well, hang on, Pastor Weston. Uh, whoa, I don't know about all that. I'm not the best communicator. I am not called to do what you do. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Listen, we say it like this in, in, in Next Steps. Can I have somebody to make me sound more holy or spiritual? Thank you. There she is, Miss America. Right on time. Thank you, Pastor T. What I love is we say it this way in Next Steps. Every person is a pastor. Every member is a minister. Now watch this. You, you don't have to have this credential to be a, oh, that's a, to be a pastor, you got to stand on the platform and you got to preach. And No, I'm, I'm communicating to you today. That's all I'm doing. But every single person in here is called to be a pastor in your workplace, at your school, around your friends. Oh, come on. You don't just get to shut it off just because you're around your friends or just because it's Mardi Gras. Step over here on that one. Just because you feel like it that day or because it's convenient, you're called. I'm, I'm called. And it's because I'm called, I need to operate in my calling. 
in front of the people that God's called me to do, do it in front of, around the people that he's called me to lead around. I'm called. And so I've got to operate in the calling that God's called me to, the anointing that, that I have to operate in. I'm called. Verse 11, I told you, is packed full of things. And at the end of verse 11, Samuel says, go get it. Is in the pasture, go get it. For we will, can we throw that up there? For we will not sit. We're not going to sit down. Then David walks in. Ruddy, handsome. Good looking. Hello? Sorry. And the Lord says in verse 12, arise. Really? Like it's, it's that time. Sorry. <laughs> if it was 610, I'd be like, hey, we need to pray. But anyway, some of y'all get that it's from last week's message. Go back. But Samuel said, we're not going to sit until he gets here. But in verse 12, the Lord says, arise. Now, I don't know about y'all. I'm no physics expert. But Newton's law of gravity says what goes up must come down. Welcome to science class 101. Um, but if Samuel said, we're not going to sit, but the Lord said, arise, then that don't make no sense, Samuel. I looked this up. I tried. I scrounged for like details and commentary, and nobody said anything about it that I, that I knew of. And maybe you, you know something better. Maybe Pastor Chris would be like, hey, bro, I found this. But I have come up with this thought that after a little while, Samuel, in his old age, finally said, you know what? It's been about 30 minutes, you know. Can we go ahead and have some snacks? <laughs> I could imagine... Maybe he was standing there and he says, you know, Jesse, you got this eighth son, right? He's in the pasture. How many pastures you got? You sent this messenger. Did we send the right messenger? Okay. <laughs> Maybe we need to send a faster one, right? What? <laughs> hey, bro. Okay. I know I said we weren't going to sit, but I'm getting tired. It's been an hour and I'm hungry. I am going to sit down. <laughs> Lord says, arise. Okay, all right. In fact, I had someone between services say that, you know, I, I've read that, and I, I feel like maybe, maybe David walked in, and they knew he was, he was it. God said, anoint him. This is he. And they were, they were bowing in reverence for the new king over Israel. Either way. I would propose to you today that Samuel sat down. He did what he said he wouldn't. Whether it was postured in honor or dishonor. So many times 
we put our hope and our trust in people that we feel like will never fail us. Can I, can I, I tell students this all the time. Don't put your trust in me because I can fail you. I can disappoint you. Listen, we have an incredible staff. I consider the best staff in the state of Louisiana when it comes to churches and the best pastors, which by the way, are on their way back from a well-needed, well-deserved vacation. I know they're watching. We love you guys and we miss you guys and we can't wait to see you. Please come back because I can't do this every Sunday. But listen, even, even we can... We can disappoint you. If you put your hope and trust in us, I'm gonna let you down somewhere. Pastor Weston didn't call me. Yeah, I have a family. I'm gonna call you back. Calm down, it's okay. <laughs> Pastor Dylan never emailed me back. Y'all, do you know how many emails he sends? He's gonna email you, it's okay. Listen, we are human beings. I, before I was ever a man of God, a prophet of God, as Samuel was, I'm, I'm a man. I'm, go, I'm gonna disappoint you. Now that's not to, for me to sit up here and say, well, I'm gonna sin and fall short of the glory of God. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if you put your hope in, listen, there is a better being to put your hope and trust in, and his name is Jesus Christ. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never, ever abandoned you he's not gonna do it that's why today's final point number three man you are his possession you're not mine you're not property of new hope you come to new hope this is your church home i would hope that you operate as a new hope whenever you're not here but at the end of the day you are god's special possession and he's called you out of darkness and to walk into his marvelous light. Listen, I may, I may fail you. I may sit down on you sometimes. But we know and worship the God of the heavens and the universe that will never, ever give up on us because he loves you too much. He loves you too much. That's why when I read that, I'm not so discouraged. Because I can read that and say, even the prophet got tired. Even the man of God. Guys, we get tired sometimes. And guess what? Your friends may get tired sometimes. Guess what? Your parents may not be the best parents in the world. But can I tell you, I know a heavenly father today that has never, ever turned his back on me. And it's who I put my hope and my trust in. Guess what? I didn't call you. He did. I didn't call, I, I can't call you and anoint you and bless. Sure, I can pray over you and ask him to do the work because he's the only one where I get my source and my strength. He's the living water, not me. He's, man, he's my joy. He's where I find my confidence. I want to, Read this last verse to you, verse 13. We still got time, y'all. This is good. Pastor Chris is going to come back and he's like, why did you do this? Now they expect to get out this early every week. But then just remind yourself, he's Pastor Chris. I mean, so <laughs> come back. The Bible says that Samuel took his horn of oil 
Now that's in Bethlehem. We in Eunice. So we got our mason jar. Hi. He took his mason jar of oil. And watch this. The Bible says that he anointed David where? In, in the midst of his brothers, which I find very interesting because later when we read the story of David and Goliath, David and Eliab, his oldest, so the un- oldest and the youngest, have like a fallen out, like fight trash talk in front of each other. And David says to Eliab, well, I'm about my father's business. I'm here to do what God's called me to do. So back up, which I find hilarious because Eliab knows he's anointed king over Israel and yet he's still trash talking him like he's a little brother. But that's not even part of the sermon so we can move on. David was anointed king in the midst of his brothers. Why? Because your anointing is not just for you. This is not just for you. When God anoints you, he does it on purpose, for a purpose, in front of people. Because he wants you and them to know that you are anointed for a purpose. Your anointing is not for you. You can't drink your own own oil. That's nasty. It'll make you sick. Dare I say that he was anointed in front of his brothers as accountability. Some of you need to be reminded today of your accountability and your calling. Sometimes there are people in your life that were there in the beginning that saw you anointed, that saw you at a summer church camp and and need to call you higher because you forgot you're anointed. Hey, bro, weren't you in the altar at church camp a few summers ago? Man, didn't you say God called you? Oh, I got got a word for somebody. You have been running from your anointing and you have been anointed for some time as this for a purpose and a promise and God has not forgotten about you. You are anointed and people are in your life saying, hey, you've got a stronger purpose than you're operating in. It's time for you to go higher. It's time for you to go deeper. He was in front of his brothers when he was anointed. Your anointing is not just for you. You're meant to carry it out of here. Can I go deeper? When you're anointed, they do it from the top of their head and it flows. Because gravity, Newton's law, carries it down to where? Your feet. Because your oil was never meant to stay. It was meant to go. It was meant to go. It, it was meant to go with you. Your anointing is not just for you. Your anointing is for every student you walk by in the high school. Your anointing is for every person that you walk next to at your job. Your anointing is for every coworker, every boss, every person in Walmart, help us Jesus, every person you come in contact with. Your anointing is not for you. Your anointing is for other people around you. And David was anointed in the midst of his brothers so they can never forget that he is called and he is chosen. And if we're going to be a part of this program and we're going to be 
to be out of new hope, then we can't just put on the facade, put on the cape, put on the mask and say, yep, I go to new hope. No, you're called to be more than just new hope. You're called to be walking, talking, living, breathing examples of Jesus Christ. So we got to live this thing out and not just take it off when we want to out of convenience. Oh, let me dry up and wash this stuff off. Don't want to look too holy during Mardi Gras. Help us. I don't want to look too holy while I'm teaching. Don't want to look too holy while I'm doing this. Don't want to look too holy at my job. Can't, can't, can't look too holy because then people would have to hold me to a higher standard. Your anointing is not meant to just stay here. Your anointing is meant to go with you. You were called to represent it in your marriage, to represent it in front of your kids. Why would I be different here at church in front of my kids than I am at home with them? Your anointing is not just for you, but your anointing is meant to go with you. You know where David went after he was anointed king over Israel? The, Bi the Bible says that he was anointed. And then guess what? Samuel left. They went back to normal. And David went back to the pasture. Lord, I may be anointed and I may be called. But my direction and my vision has not changed for you. I may have a title now. Awesome. I'm called. Listen, we, we just eradicated any excuse for you to walk out of here and say, I'm not called. The title of my message today is, Am I Called? We just answered it for you. Yes. Now we don't have an excuse. Dead gummit. I have to be nice to that person. I'm called. Thanks a lot, Pastor Weston. We're called, so we should live like it. We should act like it. We should walk this thing out. You're chosen. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession.